Memories should last a lifetime, but Alzheimer's disease has robbed millions of Americans of their treasured memories. If you have a family history of Alzheimer's disease or are worried about your memory, you can help by joining the NIH-funded AHEAD study. It's aimed at delaying symptoms of Alzheimer's before they appear. Visit aheadstudy.org to learn more. That's aheadstudy.org. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 133. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready for their first set of OTAs beginning tomorrow on Tuesday and running through Thursday. It's been a pretty, it was a pretty quiet weekend overall, Dave, until the Ben Roethlisberger podcast dropped and a lot of things to talk about from that. Yeah, first and foremost, happy belated birthday to you, uh, the big 3-0. Uh, uh, you're on the other side now, and uh, you wake up with any additional pains or anything? Well, I, I, my dreams of being an NFL running back, I think, are officially over. <laughs> Once you hit 30, I think they all uh, run away from you. So, <laughs> uh, hope you hope you had, had a decent day overall. I know you had to work a little bit, especially with the Ben Roethlisberger uh, podcast dropping there. And, you know, he, he, I think that was initially scheduled to go out today mm-hmm. and, uh, they dropped it on Sunday. And the reason they did that is they figured it would gain, uh, more traction and get a little, get a few more eyes and a few more people talking about it to, to, to start off this week. And they were correct. Uh, <laughs> It was, uh, look, I mean, you know, he's had some uh, very good interviews he's, uh, uh, overall throughout this show. I think the last one before Kenny came on was was Bill Cower, and that was uh, uh, quite a good show. And, you know, there was a lot of anticipation for, for several weeks now that uh, he would be having Kenny Pickett on the show. And uh, it, 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 it did not disappoint. Right. I, I don't think it did. And, you know, I think some of the main, uh, I think it's going to dominate, you know, the talk, uh, to start this week. It obviously dominated starting last night and, uh, that'll carry over into the, into the talk radio and probably even the national media world on this Monday. Uh, you know, where would you like to start? You know, the, 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 the Easter egg there was sort of at the end of the podcast, right. uh, there. So they kind of, they, they buried the lead, and, but I mean, you had to listen to the whole thing to get, to, <laughs> to, uh, to get to that point. So, you know, I guess kudos to them, but you know, there, obviously there was some, some other really good information mixed, mixed in, uh, throughout the show. But I think the, the, the thing that everybody's going to go to, you know, initially has been Roethlisberger's comments and, uh, you know, really a mission that, you know, uh, he was a bit, he didn't root for Kenny right out of the shoot. Yeah, let's start there because that is the biggest headline from that hour 39 minute podcast came about 90 minutes in, as you said, very much towards the end. And Ben saying 
in essence, that, you know, trying to transition from retiring to watching Pickett come in and become hopefully the next franchise quarterback that he struggled with that and was selfish about, you know, not wanting to see Pickett succeed right away. And he says, quote, I'll be super transparent here and I'm going to get blasted. I probably shouldn't say this, but I mean, who cares at this point? I wouldn't say that I wanted Kenny to necessarily fail, but when someone comes in to replace you, I still feel like I had it. Like, I hope he doesn't come ball out because then it's like Ben who went on to say a bit later, quote, early on, I did not want him to succeed because they followed me up. I didn't want it to happen. I think that's probably the selfishness of me and I feel bad for it, essentially apologizing to Pickett and then saying that as the season went on, became a big fan, rooted for him, kind of got over those those selfish feelings. So. Obviously, that's the the most polarizing comment that's gaining all the attention locally. And as you said, probably very soon here nationally. What is your reaction to Ben's admission there? Uh, I think Ben was forthright uh, and 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 face to face, you know, uh, said all the things that a lot of people think a lot of times. Uh, I I. If you put that when when you put that quote out there initially on Twitter and people don't uh, don't understand the context and realize that he said that right there with 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 Kenny Pickett uh, there you know it goes it, it generally goes one of two ways and it did last night there but uh, I, I commend Ben for you know putting it out there because he he even prefaced it with you know I'm probably going to get you know, uh, uh, a lot of backlash for this, but this is what I thought overall. And, and really it's what a lot of athletes, especially, you know, star athletes, uh, tend, tend, you know, uh, tend to think initially, you know, uh, well, you know, will they still remember me here? You know, they went, they, they immediately tried to replace me, uh, with a, you know, with somebody who they think can replace me. And, and I kind of wonder what this does to my legacy. So, uh, in, in a vacuum, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with what Ben said and how he said it. And he said it right to, you know, Kenny's face. So it wasn't like he was, you know, said it and then, you know, had to, uh, address it at a, at a, at a later point to Kenny there. So, I, I don't think there was anything wrong with it. I mean, obviously people are going to be on either side of this, but you know, that that's my thoughts on it. I generally agree. I'm a little mixed, but, but I'm with you in the sense of I've always, whenever players speak, whenever athletes, you know, have interviews, uh, my thought and my hope is that they're always transparent and honest because it's, it's more exciting that way to give the, the cliche cookie cutter answer you know, from a, a fan standpoint, certainly from a writing website standpoint, it's not that exciting to talk about. So I'm always pro players being honest and transparent and saying what they really think. And what happens there is it comes at a cost of sometimes they'll say something that creates some waves. And I don't want to be the guy that says, be honest, be transparent, don't be cookie cutter. But no, no, not like that. Don't say those things because then you're picking and choosing and that's not the right way to go about that. So I can appreciate anybody being transparent and honest and really sharing what they think and not what the, you know, right, quote unquote, right answer is to give. But we know that Ben loves his fair share of drama and attention and those comments kind of driving that. Certainly there was no obligation for for Ben to say that in a in, in a public forum and, and he, he knew he was going to get blasted for it and he. He is on the internet right now. So overall, I think Ben 
was able to spell out his thoughts and feelings as they kind of, you know, went along the season from where it started to where it ended. I think to your point, to his point, he's talking about the the transition, the difficulty of retiring and letting go. And you can appreciate the honesty and the perspective there. But obviously, people are going to run with the the first part of the the headline of I did not want Pickett to succeed unless so of the this is how I kind of got over, got over that selfish feeling and actually became a really big fan of Kenny Pickett. Yeah, look, how, how many, how, how many, you know, star quarterbacks kind of go through that same thing? Probably, you know, it's uh, to me, it's more kind of human nature. Now, a lot of people don't, don't, a lot of them don't cop to it. Right. Right. I mean, and once again, this will get talked about all day, but I, I, I thought, I thought overall Ben handled it well. And I thought Kenny was, was, uh, I, I didn't think Kenny's, uh, feelings were hurt by, uh, by anything that he said. And, you know, Ben went on to say that, you know, he's a big fan and, uh, you know, has, has learned obviously more about him. And Ben even went as far as to say, I, I, I wear your Jersey on Sunday. So, uh, once again, that's, that's probably going to, or will be the biggest takeaway, uh, from that long interview and it was buried at the back end of it. But, uh, overall, uh, I, you know, it's a talking point because there's nothing going on right now and it'll remain a talking point for, and look, I mean, that, that's, that's probably why they dropped it when they dropped it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, Monday, May 22nd, OTAs are on the horizon. There are some teams reporting today, but it's generally pretty slow in the news cycle. So this is a chance for the podcast to, to get talked about some, both certainly locally and probably a bit nationally as well. Mm-hmm. All right. What else, um, uh, what else was said? I mean, is there anything else really to add to that other than I mean, it doesn't matter what what we think about it. People already have, have probably formed opinions on it and it'll be debated for the first couple of days of this week and then, you know, go under the rug at that point, I guess. Yeah, hopefully that not that Ben and Pickett need to be BFFs or anything like that, but hopefully they can have a good you know relationship and and support one another. Ben certainly support a young guy like Kenny Pickett. Um, I I had heard a while back that in this kind of tracks with what with what Ben ultimately admitted to is that the initial conversation that Ben and Pickett had when Pickett first got drafted did not go over that well, did not sit that well with 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 Kenny Pickett, and so. Um, it seems like they had a good time and Pickett was a great guest. So hopefully those guys can, again, maybe not be best friends forever, but have a good relationship and Ben can support Kenny Pickett in the future. Yeah, look, I, I think their relationship will be fine moving forward. I think it'll be a lot better than Ben. When's Ben going to have Mason Rudolph on? Uh, uh, right. on, on, on you, you want ratings? Boy, you could make that one probably pay-per-view. I'd pay. Uh, That's what uh, I would pay. I, I would pay. I would pay. Uh and look, I mean, I, if, if we're if we're if we're being honest here, uh, Ben probably had those same feelings about Mason right out of the shoot. And obviously some of the things that, you know, the way the way Mason probably said things uh, in, in those initial interviews right after he was drafted, probably uh, by, by the time they got you know, written about and back, back to Ben, uh, Ben probably didn't, Ben said, who's this guy think, you know, who, who's this guy think he is, you know, coming in, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not done, but I, I would imagine Ben went through the same exact feelings. I, I know he did, you know, uh, same exact, exact feelings. And, and, and I'm, and that probably got that relationship off, off on, on the wrong foot, obviously. And, uh, I don't think it, 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 it ever recovered from that. Now the situation with Kenny is it's all these years later and 
and and Ben's obviously no longer playing and and that kind of thing. But uh, I mean, to to some degree, there there are a little slightly different feelings there. But but I would imagine that uh, Ben thought the same thing when 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 Mason and look, he you know, in so many words, he he didn't think the team should have drafted a quarterback back then. It should have should have right. spent spent the uh, 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 the third round draft pick on on a you know, a different position that probably could have helped the, or that, that likely would have, or could have helped the team immediately there. So, uh, will we ever see Mason Rudolph on, 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 on the football and podcast? Probably not. But, uh, and then obviously Mason was, was, was on an interview this past week and talked about how, you know, those two really, those two probably don't send Christmas cards to each other. Right. Which was no shock. Obviously, we kind of could feel like those guys didn't have a super close or really a close relationship at all. Yeah, Ben's issue has always been anybody that was a perceived threat to his job or status, the way that Rudolph was initially the talk of Pittsburgh had a first round grade on him, potential heir. Those were the conversations back then, not knowing how much longer Ben would play for. Mason became a threat to that, and, and Ben drew that line. A similar situation with Pickett in the sense of, Ben was gone, but you know he was a threat to the next franchise quarterback, and people might forget about me. And so those are all things that Ben probably has to work through. You could maybe ascribe some of that to the competitive nature that Ben had. That's the one thing everybody says about Ben. He's super competitive, hates to lose, always wants to to be the winner, and that's partly what made him a great and, and, and first ballot, you know, future Hall of Fame quarterback. But um, why I think he's grown up and matured over the years is probably still one of those things that he still wrestled with and has to and has had to work on because. Anyone who's ever been a perceived threat has been in his bad graces. And, and Josh Dobbs was never perceived as that threat. He was drafted explicitly with uh, with the intent of being the backup, and he became Ben's buddy. And so that's kind of the the path that happened over the years. Right, right. Uh, we'll, we'll never see Mason on on the Ben Roethlisberger podcast, will we, or will or won't we? Well, my quarterback predictions have sucked this year about Mason Rudolph, so I'm not going to say anything 100. percent But I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. All right. I wonder if we'll if if we'll see Mitch Trubisky on there. Yeah, I could see that happening. Um, he's going to be in Pittsburgh for a little bit, so there'll be some opportunities mm-hmm. to do that. But anyway, I know that's the headline. But as you alluded to, there's a ton of other great information in there between Kenny and Ben. What else stuck to you? Stuck out to you from this interview? Uh, I like the little banter back and forth about uh, the. Uh, touchdown pass to Najee, Najee Harris in the game against the uh, Ravens. Now, once again, if, if, if you read the comments and then, you know, you haven't uh, uh, listened to, you know, the actual interview, you, you might take it one way. I, I think it was more playful than anything, but in, in the same breath, I, 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 I think, uh, you know, in so many words, Ben says he still thinks that ball was intended for Sims in the back, uh, uh, back behind, uh, Najee in the end zone and, and Kenny swears that it, that it wasn't, but I, I thought that was fun banter. Uh, I thought the, uh, uh, Kenny Pickett talking about his hand size, uh, and, and how that got him taken off some boards was, uh, I mean, I, I think it was kind of at a captain obvious thing all this, you know, a year later here, but, uh, I thought it was interesting to hear Kenny talk about that. It was. And I know that in some respect, people are tired about the hand size talk and that dominated Pickett's draft journey last year. And we're not here to litigate. It doesn't matter. Does it not matter right now? It doesn't matter. He's, he's Steelers quarterback. And that's how, how he'll be judged. Not about, you know, the prospect aspect of it all, 
But it was interesting because for Pickett to say that NFL teams were telling him that if you don't come in at at least nine-inch hand size, you're off our board. And Pickett said some of those teams were picking high in the draft. We don't know what those teams were specifically, but um, that's probably one reason why Pickett fell to number 20. The first quarterback didn't go until 20th overall, which is pretty rare to see in a draft. And so, um, you know, that that is the analytical mindset to some degree of the NFL where some teams are really black and white that if you're not at a certain metric that we deem to be really important, you're a historical outlier. We're not going to bank on that. Uh, you being the exception to that rule. And so interesting to see how that all transpired. And for Pittsburgh, I mean, Kevin Colbert basically said he didn't even know what Pickett's hand size was, didn't know it was a story or an issue until somebody told him pretty late in the draft process. So I think in some respect for Pittsburgh to be super anti-analytics under Colbert probably worked in their favor of not judging Pickett harshly based off of one hand size metric. Look, we talk about metrics all throughout the 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 uh, the pre-draft process, right? Sure, you know, I mean it's and, all pieces of the puzzle, right? Right, and it's it's not surprising that some people, uh, uh, you know, or some teams will will look. I, I imagine that happened to Bryce Young, right? I bet there were some teams that said, "There's no way we're taking this kid because of his size," sure. but sure. all it, all it takes is one. And that's, that's one thing that we always say uh, throughout the process as well, too. Well, we might not think this guy is this, but, you know, I, I, I think uh, Herbig's a, a great example of that. You know, that that's one thing that I struggled with 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 uh, with Nick Herbig is, man, you know, uh, he, you know, his measurables and all like that. I mean, he's a fan, you know, fantastic tape as a pass rusher. Uh, I struggle with these. Is he going to go anywhere between the fourth and the seventh round? But within that, all it takes is one team uh, to think that he could p- potentially be that guy on the edge. And they're going to, they're going to probably take him in the fourth round. And it ended up being the Steelers that, 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 that took him there. So uh, it, it's just, it, it wasn't a shock to hear Pickett say that. But in the same light, it was interesting to hear Pickett say that. Yeah, and it just talks about the draft process and why he wore that splint on his hand. And I know I wrote about that whenever Pickett did the uh, pivot interview with Ryan Clark and company. And I got some pushback there. Why are you talking about that stuff? Stop talking about hand size. I I, I just wrote about it from the intrigue of it, of, of the lengths a guy would go to try to become the best prospect possible. And I thought I felt a little validated because Ben seemed kind of interested by, you know, Pickett actually doing that and all for that eighth of an inch that he got uh, for his pro day. So I, I, I thought it was just interesting from the aspect of, and, and Pickett said this, of, if you want to be a top draft pick and teams are saying, we need you to do this. I will do whatever it takes, big, small, even things that are unusual and maybe kind of silly sounding to, to be the best prospect I can be to NFL teams, which to me just shows actually the competitive and want to win, want to succeed nature that Pickett has that all good quarterbacks must have to succeed in the NFL. Boy, that wearing the brace and all like that. Wow. You know, I, I bet he's, I, I tell you what stuck out too, you know, and, and it's nothing new. And, and I've talked about it quite a bit uh, since he was drafted as well, too. I mean, just a, uh, that, that interview on the Roethlisberger podcast was just another uh, example of just how poised. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, if you didn't know any better, and, 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 you know, was in a, was in a coma for three years and came out of it, you know, and, and, and watched that interview and was asked, well, what, what, what year do you think this uh, quarterback uh, is in? You, you know, I, I, I think most people say, man, he seems like he's been in the league three or four years or something like that. You know, he just, he didn't seem 
nervous at all. I mean, not, not that he should, you know, just, just a, a podcast, but, uh, you know, just, it was just another instance for me of the guy's very mature, you know, talked about his wedding and, uh, talked about, you know, being, being an older quarterback and they were joking with him that he was at Pitt for eight years <laughs> and, but he got a gig back with saying I was six years old when Ben was drafted, <laughs> uh, uh, that kind of thing there. So, you know, I, I think that in and of itself was, uh, was a takeaway, but it, once again, it's, it, it, it's not like we learn anything new about Pickett because he's been poised from the day, uh, you know, uh, from, 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 from draft day and on, uh, there. So, uh, and I thought another interesting aspect of, uh, that interview was, uh, you know, Ben asking him what his kind of his process is, is coming off the field, uh, related to, you know, good plays and, 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 and bad plays. And, uh, Pickett said that, you know, not so much worried about the good plays, although he looks at them at, at some point to see, you know, why were we able to get that? Was it a busted coverage? Was it a double move? Is it something that, you know, all the things that you would think that, that they would look at, uh, uh, especially in game there, but, you know, he made a point to say that, you know, I want to see when I come off the field more so the, 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 the negative plays to see, you know, was there something I didn't see and, 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 you know, uh, didn't expect Did they just, you know, uh, read something I did or whatnot. And, and that makes sense as well too, because, you know, why wouldn't you want to learn from your mistakes as soon as possible, mm-hmm. uh, when, when, when getting off the field there and Ben, you know, uh, uh, in turn said, yeah, look, I, I was pretty much the same way. I, you know, uh, show me, show me the negative. I'll worry about the positive, you know, uh, 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 later there. So I, I thought that was a good, uh, some, a, a little bit of good insight. Once again, not, 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 stop the presses type kind of stuff there, but I, I like hearing that kind of stuff. I know you do as well uh, on top of it. And, uh, you know, talking about his relationship with uh, Mike Sullivan and obviously the other quarterbacks in the room and, you know, says uh, Mitch Trubisky's like having another coach uh, in the room. So I, I thought there were several good takeaways from, from that. Sure. It's always good to hear somebody's thought process and how they, you know, think about things and work through things mid game. I wasn't terribly surprised by that. I imagine most quarterbacks are wired that way where they're focused more on the negative than the positive and just the positive. And Ben kind of mentioned this. There's more pageantry that comes along with it. You're celebrating, you're high-fiving, all that kind of stuff. When you throw an interception, there is no celebration. There's, you're immediately coming off the field and you're trying just to go out there and see what happened because you're going to be back on the field. You don't want to repeat repeat those mistakes. So good to see it's the right philosophy to have of let's focus more on the negative how we can correct things instead of getting too comfortable with the these successes we'll celebrate these successes end of the game after hopefully winning the game but it's a it's the right mature approach for still a pretty young quarterback yeah i i agree uh what else uh what what else did you take away from that and those were kind of the the major things you know Pickett saying all the right things about you know excited about the offseason the team adding depth with the offensive line adding Darnell Washington Pickett saying quote we did a great job in terms of how this offseason roster has been built um wouldn't expect them to say they did a bad job and obviously I think they you know they built this roster well but Pickett it kind of his first comments on this offseason uh since Omar Khan really began retooling and reshaping this roster yeah and that was, to me, probably about uh, the last thing there. Anything else, Dave, that you heard that, that you want to pass along? 
Yeah, not nothing really, you know, stuck out to me too much uh, about the rest. You know, he talked about how uh, uh, Canada was at Pitt and, and and recruited them there, but uh, even after they found out, you know, uh, uh, Canada was moving on, I think, to LSU at the time. That 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 really didn't sway his decision, and talked about how uh, uh, you know just just to you know, getting Mark Whipple as the coordinator there and, you know, how, how Mark Whipple treated him and, and, and how he felt like having, uh, 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 basically a coordinator of coaches at, 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 at Pitt help, uh, better prepare him for the NFL level and how, in, in so many words, you know, he wouldn't trade any of that, you know, and how it worked out well for him at Pitt. Yeah, it, it is interesting, the common thread between those two guys where Mark Whipple was Ben's first quarterbacks coach in the NFL in Pittsburgh, and Whipple was Pickett's uh, coordinator with the Panthers. So that commonality between those two guys, you know, separated by 15-plus years, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. You guys can check out the whole podcast. It's it's always well done. Um, I- interesting interview there, but obviously the, the Ben Pickett selfish comments and not wanting him to succeed initially is going to get all the play here. So um, you probably won't hear much about anything else about what was said besides this podcast, because I assume the NFL world is going to be hyper-focused on those couple of comments from Ben. Right. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Speaking of quarter... Yep. Speaking of quarterback state, you have some contract information. Uh, I think really basically all the details on the Trubisky extension and the details on the Rudolph one-year contract. So what are we looking at here with Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, Dave? Yeah, the uh, and, and Jerry Dulac got this out. Uh, when was it? Friday, I think, or Saturday. Uh, uh, one of those May 19th, I think, uh, is, is, is when uh, Dulac uh, was able to get those numbers out there. Uh, two-year extension, obviously, uh, a three-year deal deal in total worth $19.65 million. I think the first initial blanket report was, what was it, 19.6. So I I think 19.65 is the total value, with $8 million of that being guaranteed, and that $8 million comes uh, in 2023 in form of a $6.92 million signing bonus and a veteran minimum salary of $1.08 million. Uh, keep in mind, however, that prior to the extension that Trubisky was scheduled to earn $8 million total in 2023. So, I mean, look, all, all you did was uh, shift the numbers around, right? Uh, I, I think the biggest takeaway uh, from this extension, and it was a, a, I got to admit, I'm, I was a little bit surprised because I, I thought in order to do, to, to get uh, Mitch to, to do an extension here, I thought, A, there'd be a little bit more money uh, involved in 2023, at least more than the $8 million he was already scheduled to earn. And on top of it, I thought maybe there would be something done uh, a little bit uh, differently with with uh, uh, these playtime and other other incentives that were in uh, in the contract there. Well, I, I, I think the biggest takeaway for, for me here is that no additional cash 
and 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 keep in mind that you know cash and cap are two different things. One thing we always try to get a, across here, but there's no additional ca cash being spent in 2023 as part of this extension. It's, it's the eight million he was going to get. He's just getting it in a different uh, way there. And when you look at the uh, the base or or the structure of 2024 and 2025, the only thing that 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 Dulac hasn't reported yet and it's really insignificant uh, 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 through this season, and, and we'll find out as soon as this thing hits the NFLPA, is how the uh, 2024 and 2025 years are broken up. Uh, he's scheduled to earn 5.25 million total in 2024. He's scheduled to earn 6.4 million total in 2025. Uh, the only thing we don't know is how much of, of that is base salary in each of those years and how much of that is roster bonus, because that's one thing Dulac uh, says as a combination of, 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 of base salary and roster bonus. I would imagine probably in each of those years, it's probably two to $3 million in, in, in roster bonus in each of those years with those roster bonuses obviously being due uh in 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 you know the start of the, right right at or right after the start of the new league year in March. Now what that ends up doing basically the way I look at this extension right now, Alex, uh now that we have the numbers on it, is it's a it's a one year eight million dollar deal with two option years uh, tagged onto it. And you basically have to buy the option with the roster bonuses in each of those years overall. So, uh, I think it's, it, it's yet another hat tip to, uh, Omar Khan and company. Cause once again, you don't have any additional cash laid out in 2023 to get this done. And, you know, look, I mean, you, the plan obviously is not, you know, the initial plan is not to walk away from Mitch Trubisky next March. But you have the option to do it, you know, mm -hmm. with uh, and you can actually save a little bit of cap space in the process, because right now it looks like uh, Trubisky's cap charge for 2024 will be seven point five, five, six, 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 six million uh, in 2024. Whereas if you cut him before whatever roster bonus is due, you would have a, a hair over five point six million dollars uh, in 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 dead money so you would you know there there's a little less than two million dollars before roster displacement uh to be to be saved there and once again you don't go into this with 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 that being the plan but at least you do have an out unless and now here's the thing that we don't know and and i wouldn't ma imagine that this would be the the case i wouldn't imagine they that they fully guaranteed uh that 2024 roster bonus right I mean, they could I doubt have, it. Uh, you know, they, they, they absolutely could have, but it, it generally when they do these kind of lower level two year extensions like that, 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 that's not the case there, but, uh, look, you have them under contract now through, through, through 2025. It didn't cost you any additional, uh, cash outlay in, 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 in 2023, uh, to get that done. Uh, and, and the other interesting thing about the incentives here. You know, we don't know exactly, haven't seen them written, but I mean, we do, we have seen them written up in, in, in Trubisky's previous deal that he signed, uh, from Albert Breer and all, and I'm willing to bet those incentives look, you know, pretty much the same as far as thresholds of percentage of playing time and 
like what was it pro bowl i think or all pro mm-hmm. I, I forget what the other uh uh extra money was in there but it, it doesn't look like or it doesn't at least uh, my initial takeaway is 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 probably those followed the same pattern as what they previously were. Pittsburgh's loving these roster bonuses. Is that is that kind of a newer trend, or is that am I just losing track of history in terms of them putting these roster bonuses in? Yeah, well, the thing is, I you know there, you don't have really a lot of history with kind of these lower level things. You had kind of like the Cam Sutton deal, right? Uh, uh, that lower level two two-year extension. I'm trying to remember if the Joe Hayden deal. Yeah. A core uh, four had roster bonuses and his, it was a bigger yeah, deal. Yeah. He's got roster bonuses, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's got them in his as well too there. So, uh, but the thing is, is they're not guaranteed though. So, right. and, and what that does for the player is it gives them, uh, you know, at, at least it gives them the ability to, and it forces the team to make the decision with them by a few days after the start of the new league year. Uh, and not just hold on to them, you know, throughout throughout the summer and and then kind of miss the market, if you will. Right. No, I, I think it's a good thing for both sides, but also for the team so they can kind of evaluate and and have that option, but be able to decline if they want to. But I'm saying is, is this five years ago was was Colbert and Khan doing roster bonuses at, at the rate they are now with some of these not mega type contracts? Oh, I'll have to look back, uh, Alex. Uh, I, I and once again, I don't think there's been too terribly many of them. Any, you know, we'll have to go like like the Ramon Foster deal, I right. guess. You know, uh, let me see if I can pull those up. Or you know, here. even uh, did little Darius Green get a roster bonus, especially with some of the medical that obviously ended up burning the team. Uh, I don't know Mike Mitchell's contracts, which is a little bit differently structured, longer term deal, but. I'm just curious to see if this is more of a newer thing where Pittsburgh's kind of said, all right, let's use these roster bonuses as kind of a pay-as-you-go type structure, or am I just misremembering due to time and not remembering what the contracts for Ramon Foster was structured like? All right, I'm looking back at 2019 in March on Ramon Foster, and let's see i'm not seeing any roster bonuses in that now that was just a two-year deal uh there and he was a free agent at the time uh who was the other one uh mike, mike mitchell yeah and that one i think was a long it was like a five-year deal i think so that yeah, was maybe but he, a he was an outside free agent at the time too sure. Sure. Uh, i'm trying to think of maybe some of these guys that were that were re-signed uh let's what was cam sutton uh, let's see if I can pull that. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't pull it up. Right okay. Find it right away. Well, anyway, um, but it, we're certainly seeing a lot of that now. I don't know if that's increased or not, but we are seeing that. I think it's a good structure to have to kind of give this team some, some roster flexibility and just, you know, you never know what's going to happen a year from now. So I'm all for that. And yeah, I mean, it's, you know, credit to Omar Khan, but the name we have to probably mention more and more when it comes to contracts is Cole Marco, who Omar Khan confirmed in, in, uh, with the Pat McAfee show that Khan is not super involved with some of the contractual stuff. A lot of that's been passed on to Cole Marco, who got hired a couple years ago when Pittsburgh lost Samir Suleiman to Carolina. Um, and, and Marco is only 31, but it's worked his way up. And I'm sure Khan still jumps in and still guides and when it comes to, comes to the big deals like Highsmith this summer, I'm sure Khan will certainly be pretty directly involved. But I think Cole Marco has to get a shout out for kind of being this team's new cap guy. 
Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, and, and, and once again, that, that was another great takeaway that we learned, you know, in, 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 in that interview on the Pat McAfee show there, uh, the other contract Mason Rudolph. Now, uh, uh, Jerry Dulac says this is just a one year, $1.08 million, uh, deal. And that's obviously the minimum, uh, base salary there when it, when it, when it comes to Mason Rudolph and his credited seasons there, uh, you know, uh, the way the way Dulac framed that that that's total value there, and if indeed that's the case, that means no signing bonus, not even one hundred fifty two thousand five hundred uh, for Mason Rudolph uh, there, and and on top of it, this would be a veteran benefit deal, which comes with a uh, reduced cap charge there. So you want to talk about. Uh, and, and, and we'll know for sure once, once this one hits the NFLPA is so far behind right now. And it's probably not unusual with all these draft picks getting signed and all like that. In fact, this morning, their latest update only included, uh, uh, the Spencer Anderson, uh, 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 rookie contract. So that, 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 that's how far they are, uh, behind right now. So it'll be still several more days before we find out the Mason Rudolph, uh, contract details there. But, uh, uh, for, for what we know right now, uh, it's just a minimal deal. And I, I think Mason said on that podcast that he was on, uh, this past week that he had other offers and yada, yada. Well, uh, and look, I, I thought this would have been at least kind of one of those four-year veteran, uh, uh, four-year benefit deals that that we've talked about in the past that would have at least uh, not cost the Steelers more money, but would have put uh, a little bit more money in 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 the pocket of Mason Rudolph. But evidently, that didn't even happen. So this guy got the. Uh, as little as you can get mm-hmm. for a guy with his credited seasons in the in in the league. Yeah, bare minimum contract for Mason Rudolph, which really just speaks to the total lack of market. I know on that that Steel Here podcast that Rudolph mentioned, some teams had other teams had interest, maybe to some small degree, but obviously there's a reason why he kind of came back hat in hand to Pittsburgh and is going to become this team's clear number three to to start the year. And that's because there really were no other opportunities or anything even remotely interesting for him to go to go chase. So you see that that contract and and again for Pittsburgh to be able to run back its quarterback room with Kenny Pickett in year two, Trubisky that solid number two guy, and then Rudolph as a, a quality number three, top to bottom. You feel really good about that room. They've I, I was gonna say build, but basically just found a way to maintain. Here here's one thing I would like to get uh, Omar and 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 Cole uh uh drinking the the truth serum on. Uh the Mason Rudolph deal came out first, right? Or at least leaked first. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then <laughs> it was I see a, where you're going with this. A, a day later, the the uh, or a day and a half later, uh, uh, the Mitch Trubisky uh, deal gets done. Uh, I would like to know how what what kind of leverage play, if any. You know, was this just a timing thing? Uh, to, to me, it is quite curious, though. Did they get Mason to, to agree to his deal and turn around and say, Mitch, look, we've got uh, we got Mason back under contract now. Uh, this is what we would like to do with your contract. And, you know, this is this is what hit hit. This is what we'd like to do with your contract. Yeah, you put your tinfoil hat on there on a, on a Monday. My, my thought was that they go. No, to Mason. I tend to wear that a little bit way too tight, you know. Yeah. And it, it, you? It, it turns yeah. my face red, you know, <laughs> uh, because of it. But it, 
because of the time and it 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 it's a bit curious to me. I kind of had the opposite thought, but I like your your direction there. I wonder if they went to Mason and said, you know, Trubisky's a free agent after this year's contract expiring. You signed into a one year deal, but you know, maybe something happens next year, and then boom, day later, Trubisky signs his, his extension. Like I could see them kind of screwing Mason Rudolph over one last time. I don't know, but either way, you're happy with the moves his team made. Especially if it'd be one thing if uh, if Mitch ended up getting more more new money in 2023, you know, you, I don't think you'd be able to look at it that way as easily, but with it basically, and like, like I said a few minutes ago with it, you know, I say, I essentially consider the, uh, the Mitch Trubisky deal, one year deal with uh, two option years uh, tagged onto it with it being that way. Uh, it, I, I, I am a bit curious of, of if there was any, you know, uh, leverage used within all that with, with, with Mason. Maybe. Cause I'm still trying to figure out how Khan convinced Trubisky to sign the extension for two years and for Mason to return to be in street clothes all year, barring an injury. I'm just trying to figure out the conversation. What magical words is Khan using to get these guys to agree to, I think these pretty team friendly type deals. Hey, here's the thing though, that would kind of be maybe a counter argument to my tinfoil hat if if they said look you don't want to take this deal mitch we're, we're going to cut you uh and look this is all just me speaking out of class here uh could mitch have found a team to give him eight million dollars in 2023 basically could mitch have found that same deal as a street free agent in the latter portion of May. A one year deal for 8 million. No, no, no. With cash. He, he could he have found a three year deal totaling out what this one totals out at that would have included $8 million with signing bonus and base salary in, 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 in 2023. Could no, he, no, no chance. No chance. Okay. I mean, do you, do you disagree? I'm just saying I, that would be a counter argument uh, at this point of an off season. Could he have found a team to give him a $3 million deal, give him the same 3 million or get, give him the same three year deal with a six point, whatever signing bone, you know, uh, and look, his cap hit would have been a lot cheaper too, because, you know, uh, uh, Mitch's, and that's one thing we didn't cover was the cap savings uh, uh, with the Mitch Trubisky deal. The Steelers, as part of this deal, uh, freed up four point a little over four point six million dollars. Now, the reason uh, his cap charge would have been cheaper with another team is because Mitch still still had previous proration from his last deal that's included in this one. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there. So you would be looking at Mitch Trubisky had he taken this, had he been cut. And then sign, let's say, the same deal with another team. His cap charge with them would have been a hair over three point three million. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he would have gotten that deal elsewhere. Okay. And it goes back to once me once again me saying uh, I wonder how much leverage was used in here because quite honestly, when I when I drew this thing up back in February, I thought. Uh, surely Mitch is going to want a little bit more than $8 million in 2023. And I think I had it at, 
I don't know, not between nine and 10 or something like that. Uh, you know, I had a similar kind of deal. In fact, I, I think I had, uh, the deal. I think I had him as part of the example that I threw out there, something like $18 million on a two year extension for the three year total. And then he ended up getting 19 point what we say six five. Uh, so it's pretty close overall. It's just I had it structured where 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 Mitch got a little bit more money in 2023. Yeah, no, you were really right on the money to me. But yeah, I think overall Trubisky just wanted that illusion of security, some sort of commitment and realizing that, you know, my free agency market. And, and honestly, you made the point on Friday that maybe he looked at Mason and said, it's not going too well for Mason out there. Do I want to put myself in that position next year or kind of take what I can get right now? So that might've been Trubisky's calculation of let's just, you know, you know, kind of accept my role, accept my situation and if I do that, I can make still some pretty good money. And, and again, Pittsburgh has a good history of paying out those contracts. And so you're not terribly worried about getting cut anytime soon. And look, Mason had it against him, too, because he didn't play any snaps last season. So, sure, you know, that's that that's another thing that played into his situation this offseason. Yeah, that, that's a, a fair point as well. So uh, Dave here, uh, Tuesday marks the first day of the voluntary organized team activities for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So essentially the whole... Right now it's 89, but let's assume it gets to 90 here sooner than later. Comes together. There, you know, potentially somebody may not be there, but almost always you have full attendance unless there's some other personal situation. I would expect Alex Highsmith to be there, even given the looming contract situation he may be facing later this summer. But anything you're watching for in terms of this first week of OTA, Dave? Yeah, just I think more than anything where people are you know, any reports that circulate about maybe where, where some guys are lining up. And then obviously you, know, you want to hear about the, uh, uh, the, the, the draft picks settling in along with the undrafted free agents, you know, j- pretty much just the typical things that you go into these OTAs, uh, kind of curious about, you know, what's, uh, what, what's, what's going to happen with Connor Hayward, you know, uh, is he going to be, you know, primarily that H back fullback uh, kind of role now, and less of uh, 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 less so of a you know kind of kind of tight end. Even though you can still kind of uh, split him out, you know, you obviously want to hear about Calvin Austin the third coming off of that injury, right? And uh, get reports of him looking like it, he's at full speed. Uh, the sl- what's going to happen in the slot, right? You know, or will will they show any hands that? Uh, uh, what that might potentially look like on defense there. Uh, I don't think we expect guys like uh, Cole Holcomb to be moving around all that. Uh, I mean, I, 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 w- I would imagine that, you know, Holcomb is going to be out there, but I, I, w- I would think that they've already said that they're going to kind of limit him a, a, a little bit coming off the foot and, and maybe even Calvin Austin to some degree. I right. think Allen Robinson, what happens with him? And, and yeah. Allen Robinson, a good point on him because another one coming off of a, a foot injury. So uh, I think overall, you just, you, you hope to get reports about the injured guys moving around. Okay. Uh, you want to get reports about who's lining up. We're, uh, 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 kind of things. And, you know, overall, you obviously want, you know, these next or these next three weeks of OTAs and week of mandatory mini mini camp to end with no serious injuries. Sure, that's always the the big thing, or any suspensions, because according to ESPN's Adam Scheffler, the uh, NFL is investigating a potential second wave of gambling-type allegations. Details are light, obviously not, not 
directly implicating any Steelers, but he's just throwing that out there that there could be more league-wide suspensions when it comes to uh, some NFL players. And so hopefully that does not affect the Steelers team because NFL has a very heavy hand when it comes to gambling. But yeah, for OTAs, it's when, when, when it comes to that gambling thing, how how, mm-hmm. how how far in advance do you think teams know about this kind of stuff? Because, you know, the Lions are, probably didn't know too far in advance, right? Because they turned around and cut a few players, right? Yeah, although I think if you cut a guy before the news breaks, it's kind of, okay, why are they doing this? And then you'd rather do it once it becomes official. And then the whole the whole football world understands why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm sure they have some notice how far in advance. I, they probably know that there's an investigation happening. They may not know in terms of finality and in terms of actual punishment until maybe right before the whole world finds out. But yeah, I, I imagine there's some lead time, probably not a ton though for teams in terms of actual final conclusions and decisions made by the NFL. Cause I think when it comes to gambling, those decisions get made and they are pretty swift and, and the NFL is not going to try to hide uh, publicly this information. Yeah, look, uh, it's a hard lesson to learn uh, this way. And and Mike Tomlin on a Rich Eisen show, you know, it's basically said they try to get all this stuff across as early as they can, you know. Uh, yeah, and there's nuance to the rules, like even because what Williams got suspended, not for gambling on the NFL, but he was gambling on other sports inside the team facility, which you also cannot do. It's a six-game suspension, not a full year, but that's, that's a nuance in the, in the gambling rules. All right. Uh, what were your extended thoughts about OTA? Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's, it's always tough for me to think about what I'm looking for because, A, I, I know I can't be there and I'm kind of itching to get my own thoughts, my own eyes on things in training camp in just a couple of months from now. Uh, usually, I just want to hear about health and a little bit on kind of where players are lining up. So as you mentioned, Connor Hayward, what's his usage and role? You know, is Herbig floating between outside, inside linebacker? How is Calvin Austin being used to Marvin Leal? Where is he getting most you know, run at to start? Those kinds of things. Um, it, it's not a situation where I'm really going to, if if I was even there, you're not going to really evaluate super critically because it's still, you know, shells and they're not hitting and it's not really a, a true football type environment. There's some baseline stuff to learn about, especially with new guys and rookies. But for me, I kind of take this as who's healthy, who's working, where are they working to kind of set that foundation for what to expect and think about for training camp. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, look, there, there's obviously going to be some guys that probably aren't, um, that might not be there, especially the first week. Right. And, you know, who, who knows what's good. You know, who knows if, if did Cam Hayward show up uh, at early at the uh, last one last year? I'd have to check. I think so. I mean, he's pretty team first guy. I mean, he what, might, you know, occasionally Deontay? get a day off. Yeah, I think Deontay was missing some time. He did show up to some degree, but with the contract situation, I think he missed maybe the first week or so. Okay. And it is voluntary. So, I mean, he, they right. are allowed to do that. There is no obligation, but we expect this to be well attended with, you know, the majority, if not every single person there. And again, I mean, do you expect Alex Highsmith to be there tomorrow? I would think he would be. I think so, too. And what now? Will he work much? Maybe he'll kind of be more of a bystander on the sideline, not wanting to risk injury in a spring OTAs. That may be possible, um, but I think he will be in attendance. Yeah, and and as we mentioned, I, I, I when it comes to Highsmith, uh, uh, now I mean you, you you would be surprised if they don't get a deal done with Highsmith by week one, right? Yes, I'm expecting a deal to get done. Uh, then I guess, and I I have felt the same way for a while. I I think the most curious aspect about Alex Highsmith now is will he will will it happen? 
you know, a couple weeks even before training camp gets underway, the way Omar was able to get uh, Minka Fitz. To me, it, it I, I think this is pretty cut and dry with Alex. You think? I think it's yeah. kind of tricky where you're going to slot uh, him, though, because it's not like TJ or Minka where it's top of the market and everybody knows kind of where that number is going to be at. I think it's tricky with Heisman. Uh, I think I think it's been, and and I, I cheat because I've got two years of cash flow that, I, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that I've learned to work around. I don't I mean, have that. If, if, this was, if this was year one of the three-year cycle, uh, I might feel a little bit, you know, or, or I would feel differently as far as my thoughts on it being cut and dry. But uh, the the cash, the cash flows lines up perfectly, at least in my eyes, uh, of 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 a neighborhood where I I would call it more kind of cut and dry uh, with him. And look, we know this team and 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 guarantees, and uh, I that might be the only great area when it comes to this is how much if any past the first year that that might I don't think it's I think it's probably less about the new money average and, and the first year cash flow I think I, I I would speculate that it's less about that and I think more of the conversation moving forward assuming they've had at least some some groundwork conversations at this point would be guaranteed money past the first year. And I would think that the Steelers are going to try to hold serve with, he's not, you know, top one, top two in the league. And that's where we draw the line at the, uh, at, at the, at, at, at the guaranteed money. in in, in the first year, uh, I, I would expect the Steelers to hold serve on that. And I would, I would expect Alex Highsmith's side to, to, to push for uh, guaranteed money, fully guaranteed money past the first year. But at some point, I think Alex wants to be there. I think the Steelers want him there. I think everybody knows that. I think, especially if it's just a two-year extension, which I'm expecting that to be, that I, I think they get together pretty quick on this. So quite honestly, I, I now, I, I'm expecting this, this to get done before training camp. Because you do wonder about the Holden. I think Highsmith potentially would go that path, just seeing TJ do that, you know, what, two years ago and seeing Deontay do it last year. I wouldn't blame him if he did either. No, no I, I don't, don't think anybody. I don't think fans should either. They will, but uh I, I don't think they should. Yeah, no, I support the Holden. I get it. Um, but I think those some of those details in the structure makes this that's what I mean when I say it's not super cut and dry because there are those you could have agreement on 95% of a contract if that 5% you can't get to you're going to have you're going to have an obstacle for a while to to be able to before you can finally get this deal done so I think there are some of the the, the devil in the details about the, this high smith deal in terms of structure and you know what's going to be fully guaranteed that they're going to have to work out that I don't think is as clean and as because with, with TJ like I know Pittsburgh held out, but we knew they were probably going to break precedent on, on that TJ deal because he's TJ Watt. With Highsmith, it's it's a little bit, I think, trickier situation to walk. And, and you know, with uh, Minka, they they had no basically their hands yeah. were the Steers' hands were tied because right. of uh, uh, the moment that TJ signed his deal. Minka was the happiest man, <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and that's probably why Minka still got done so early last year right. because there wasn't a whole lot of pushback. He, Pittsburgh lost their leverage. But with Highsmith, he's not Minka, he's not TJ. So, but they're going to try to argue that, obviously, because he just came off a great season. Yeah, I, I imagine that conversation is going to be sure, pretty short, though. Uh, and look, at some point, will the will that precedent have to come down? 
with the Steelers. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, I, I just don't think Alex Highsmith's going to be the one to kick 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 it down. But someone's going to have to be because, I mean, that bar is going to kind of get lowered from, yeah, the superstars and the elite guys to the guys that are in that tier two. Someone's going to have to do that. Will it be Highsmith or not? I don't know. Let me ask you this as well. Why do you think only two-year extension, not three-year extension? I think it's more favorable for the player that way, especially huh. someone in, in TJ Watt, I mean, in uh, Alex Highsmith's situation. Uh, I can hit, uh, what did I slot him at? Top, I mean, easily within top 20 uh, in my uh, contract uh, projection that I did on him several weeks ago. I think even borderline 15 to 17 or something like that. Uh, it allows him to get some extremely good money right now. And then it allows him to potentially get another bite of the apple right around 30. So he, okay. could, he could eat it again. Whereas if he signed, uh, I think that would be the trade-off for him for not getting that guaranteed money. Now, here's the thing. If, if, if he, if it ends up, if it ends up with him getting guaranteed money past the first year, then I would expect the Steelers to push for more than a two year extension. So, okay, well, you want that guaranteed money. Well, we want to lock you up more than two years past past this year. So right. I think that's where the trade-off is in here. So I would I would think it would behoove uh Highsmith to sign just a two-year extension if he does not get guaranteed money past 2023 for the fact that it allowed would give him another chance to either you know renegotiate with the Steelers going into the final year of of that third year or look forward to free agency to uh potentially get another bite of the apple. I know it's a very broad question to ask, but are NFL contracts getting shorter? Are you kind of seeing team where really players take shorter deals? Because it used to be, you know, five-year deals are pretty common. I don't see as many of those anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have to, I would have to look league-wide, you know, on on that. Sure. Really. Just I mean, do, you, do you have a feel of that? Obviously, I'm not asking you to quantify that. I, I just feel like the the, right the, the 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 top of the market guys obviously get the longer deals, and the middle of the market guys, for a lot of reasons I just said, be it being able to, uh, especially if it's not guaranteed. I guess it. I guess it would all depend on. You got to tell me what percentage of these guys are getting guarantees past the first year, because then, then you probably do get into more of the teams pushing to make it a longer extension to have control of the player. Right. I just go back to like the Mike Mitchell deal, which was not a superstar, but he was a five-year deal. You don't really see that kind of contract anymore or to, to that caliber of player. But even, even with Mike Mitchell way back then, the, the guarantee was just in the first year, was it not? No, I I agree. And maybe that's why players are taking the shorter deals because they realize the five years is BS. Like you're not going to see year four or five in all likelihood, or at least there's nothing they're guaranteeing that. So why even take that deal and potentially lock yourself up if you do play well and the team wants to keep you for, for cheap in year, year four and year five? Well, even way back when 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 they got Mike Mitchell in, in free agency with that deal, uh, <clears throat> the Steelers were still one of like three teams still considered in the dark ages. Even even back then, uh, on the guaranteed uh, money, on the guaranteed first year, one. right past the first year. So, I mean, it it's amazing that they were able to hold serve <laughs> <laughs> on that as long as they did. Are there any teams still in the dark ages or the Bengals and Packers? Were those the other two that were doing yeah. it the Steelers way? Are they I mean, well, obviously with Burrow. Well, I mean, that's a whole exception with the quarterback, right. but. 
Um, they... I, I, I believe that those are still two teams that are still kind of holding serve on that. But on the flip side, have they had anybody top of the market to push it? Which Jamar Chase, I assume, will do that soon in terms of non-quarterback for the Bengals next year. And Packers, I don't know what they have going on over there in, in Green Bay right now. Right. Anyway, so just want to get your thoughts on on that. But yeah, Highsmith, expect to be there. I don't think he'll do much. Um, and then we just kind of play the waiting game on the contract. Uh, real quick on the uh, on the Steelers cap situation right now. In real time, I have them at 15.3, low over 15.3 million under the cap. When you add in uh, the remaining draft picks because of their uh, their slotted deals and all like that, you're looking at right along the lines of a little hair over 12 million under the cap. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, what does all this mean? Uh, you, 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 you cut Millette, you cut uh, Witherspoon, you, uh, extended Mitch and you freed up, you know, over four and a half million dollars. Look, here's the thing. Even before all this, the Steelers could have gone out and signed someone above minimal value, minimal value, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, could, could they more so now than they could have, uh, before the start of, uh, uh, the cut, you know, the additional cornerback cuts and, and, and the Mitch deal. Yeah, obviously you can, or, or they can, uh, I just, and look, we, we're still waiting on number 90. Right. And, and, right. and, you know, if they, here, here's my thoughts on this. A, a lot of people are getting excited. Could, could the 90th player end up being a guy on a one year, $5 million contract? Yeah, it's plausible. Do I think that's going to be the case at this point of the offseason? Probably not. But mm-hmm. I don't think this changes. I think all of this was kind of in the plans anyway, if they could get to this point, especially, man, they drafted two cornerbacks. I mean, how, lo- how long have we been talking about? We didn't think the Millette thing was going to come. You know? Right, which seems to be more Millette-driven than team-driven. Right. But the Witherspoon thing, we've we've we we've talked all off season. Yeah. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise there was it took as long as it did uh-huh. uh, with him. Uh, and as far as the Mitch Trubisky thing, I mean, obviously we started the off season wondering if Mitch would even be here, but I mean, once, once uh, Art Rooney, the second and Omar Khan said what they said by the end of the combine, uh, how could you not be resigned to the fact that, and I, I wrote that post about Trubisky, uh, possibly be getting the extension right after Khan said what he said at the combine because, you know, I had good reason to at that point mm-hmm. uh, there. So uh, I don't take the Mitch Trubisky extension as a huge sign of something coming. I just think that this is something that they thought that they might want to get done this offseason that would be that would help them fit this puzzle together that they ended up getting done. Now, yeah. What, what, uh, you know, stay tuned because as soon as we get off this podcast, they'll probably announce the 90th player and then this all be evergreen. But, uh, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm not expecting, you know, a three year, $18 million contract to come in for a linebacker or an outside linebacker or something like that. They could, it, there's nothing said, but here's the thing. They could have probably done that before all this. Sure. I mean, they had Quan Alexander in and he left. I don't know why he left. Usually it's it's money, financial related, you know, issues. But 
yeah, we'll just see what number 90 is. And it's probably more likely than not to be a, you know, Dylan Cook type of player, a low level, you know, guy that was cut from a rookie minicamp or something like that, or an XFL type player. Uh, then it is going to be a bigger name like a Van Noy or Alexander or somebody like that. But stay tuned. We'll wait and see. Look, I mean, you could you could easily go out and pay uh, uh, a guy like uh, Kyle Van Noy a yeah. little bit more than he paid than, than he got earned or th- that he got paid by the Chargers last season, even on a one year deal. You know, you could do one year. Four million, if you wanted to, with him at this point, I don't think it'll uh, 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 hurt hurt the team that bad. Here, here's one thing that that uh, when doing my latest cap update that I that I am starting to wonder about now. Mm-hmm. You are you are now a little bit closer to being in the neighborhood of maybe not having to do a full contract restructure on TJ Watt. You're still, in in my opinion, you're still going to have to do a, a, a contract restructure on TJ Watt at some point during the offseason, it's just now you are kind of in that neighborhood of maybe because of the, the forthcoming expenses all being kind of projected, you know, maybe you're in the neighborhood of, of, of ha- only having to do like a half of a structure on him. Okay, so not needing to take his base salary down the, the minimum, basically, right, and turn right. that into a signing bonus and prorating it. That's what all of these moves in these last couple of weeks, I think, ha- has got me kind of – uh, I, I do believe that the team is in the neighborhood of maybe not having to do a full restructure on TJ Watt. Okay. That's good. That's a good thought. I hadn't uh, reconsidered that. So fair point by you. All right. All right, Dave. I wrote uh, this morning on Steelers Depot for Monday. Always try to find something interesting as a conversation piece for a Monday article. The Omar Khan report card. Short, sweet, to the point type of title. Basically just... An overview of the offseason, I know that more moves could come and one will happen as his team finds number 90. And so there may be more thoughts later this year into the summer. But the things I like, things I didn't like about Omar Khan's first offseason, obviously, overall, I'm pretty happy with it. You probably listeners and readers will yell at me for nitpicking some of the negatives here. But in terms of the positives, I really think this team having a better understanding of who they want to be, how they want to win, their identity. Pittsburgh may have been trying to do that a bit the last two years, but not to the degree, not to the level of commitment or really teeth to the plan, to what Omar Khan and company have done this year, um, being able to retain the quarterbacks and Trubisky and Rudolph, I thought was surprising and good moves overall. The draft day trades of sending a fourth round pick to get Broderick Jones and then trading back to recoup that fourth round pick. It's good draft day maneuvering by him. I thought also, and people don't talk about this much, but I thought Kevin Colbert's greatest quality and trait was his humility. I think Omar Khan is as humble of a man as Kevin Colbert is and and, and was as Steelers GM because he's a guy that's not looking to take the credit or get his name out there. He just wants his team to win and build a really good roster. And then just doing that through every avenue, through signings, through trades, waiver claims, XFL guys, tryout guys, you know, the whole gamut of how you can acquire players, Khan and company have done that. And I just like to see that in terms of how you build this roster out. If there was one thing I could say right now, you could change that that Omar Khan did this offseason, What would it be that you did oh. that that you did not like? Well, this goes into, yeah into the negatives in the in the next part there. And, and I guess if if there was one thing, it would be I wish they would have changed the undrafted free agent model and spent more money on these UDFA's. Okay, that that that's my thought. All right. Uh, in terms of other things, in terms of where I'm not super crazy about it, and again happy with the offseason overall. 
you know, the inside linebacker room, I just kind of feel like, you know, I understand overhauling it. I'm, I'm good with that. But, you know, did you really get better? Did you just kind of move things around? Is Landon Roberts and Cole Holcomb going to be long-term pieces? I'm kind of doubtful of that. I really think at some point you got to draft and invest in that because the Pittsburgh Steelers built through the draft and stopped going through this revolving door of veteran free agents. The list is getting kind of absurd at this point. Again, critiquing the, even if, even if Omar Khan says there's no way we're going to do the partial base salary guarantees. Okay, fine. Just spend your whole signing bonus cap. It's not that much more money. It's like 90 grand more. You can certainly do that and you're going to be okay. So I don't know why they don't at least spend their allotted uh, signing bonus uh, cap. I think there are some medical risks they took this year that we don't talk about that much with Robinson and Holcomb and, you know, Washington and, and, and Trice. Not that they're super incredibly scary or sketchy things, but there's kind of a bet on these guys medically being okay and a bet that Pittsburgh's lost a couple times over the years in Brandon Boykin, Darius Green, most recently William Jackson. And then this one is kind of probably more controversial, even in my own head, but just the idea of, you know, being countercultural, we're going to build this bully ball, the run first team. It's, it's, that's going to make you a competitive team. Is it going to be able to be enough to beat the Mahomes and the Josh Allens and the Burroughs of the world? That's kind of the calculation that Pittsburgh's taking. And at some point, they're going to probably have to really put a bit more trust and faith into Kenny Pickett instead of trying to build this more conservative, handed off a bunch type of approach. I understand where they're going and I and I get it, but there is kind of a risk that comes along with that. Are you tired of hiding your smile? Maybe it's time to get some help from G4 by Goldpaw. Their talented technicians specialize in creating brand new permanent teeth in just 24 hours with as few as four titanium implants. You can enjoy a fully customized bridge for your upper and or lower set of teeth. You can have peace of mind knowing that the G4's experienced lab technicians have designed more than 15,000 new smiles. You can have a new smile that looks, feels, and functions just like natural teeth. Patients from all over the world travel to G4 to get their permanent smiles in just 24 hours and change their lives forever. Booking an appointment has never been easier. Simply visit yourteeth.com today and schedule your appointment with G4 by Golpa. Mention this podcast when you book to save $1,000. So what are you waiting for? Get ready to show off your new confident smile with G4 by Golpa. Visit yourteeth.com today and start your journey to a new permanent smile in just 24 hours. G4 by Golpa. Powered by technology. Inspired by patience. Let me, let me ask you the question that I asked the guys on the round table, uh, mm. uh, the other day, I, I, I don't think I asked you to answer this, but, uh, you know, there's still the project and look Vegas is Vegas. It all depends on, on, on what kind of action they can get on both sides of this. But why would you tell people to bet the under on eight and a half wins for the Steelers in, in 2023? Yeah. If you made me state the case for why they may not be as successful as some people think. I would just cause I would just say quarterback play. If you put Kenny Pick and you ranked him among AFC quarterbacks, I don't know where exactly he would slot in, but it would be closer to the bottom than towards the top. And I'm excited about Pickett in the year two jump, but obviously the AFC is just all the good quarterbacks sans Jalen Hurts play in the AFC. And if you had to rank the AFC North quarterbacks I'd probably, I mean, I would put Kenny Pickett fourth. Now, Deshaun Watson's a bit of a wild card, and people can have differing thoughts on Lamar Jackson, but I would put it Burrow, Jackson, Watson, and Pickett. Doesn't mean that Pickett can't be a good quarterback and get better and maybe, you know, leap one of those guys, but that's kind of where things are probably starting right now. And quarterback play, you know, 
you can have a great roster overall, but if your quarterback can't win some of those tight moments, it's going to be a hard path to to, to, to succeed in. So you just kind of wonder, you know, is that are you, do you have the firepower offensively to win, or you're going to try to score 20 points a game and try to win these things all 20 to 17? It's a tough model to sustain. All right. Uh, your birthday just came. You got a card from your mother with a nice, crisp Abraham Lincoln uh, $5 bill in that bad boy. <laughs> and you want to put it down on the Steelers over or under eight and a half here in on May 22nd at 1115 Eastern time. Were you were you putting that uh, were you putting that uh, that Abe Lincoln at? Well, thank you, mom. Shout out to mom for the five dollar bill. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the over. Here's here's my here's my concern, and I'm not giving a final. I hate you know the win loss stuff, and I'm not you know, thinking about that stuff that much right now. But my concern is that Pittsburgh is going to be a better team in 2023 than they were in 2022, and still end up at like nine and eight, just being just from a record standpoint, where they're going to be a better, stronger team. But just given the difficulty of the AFC North, the AFC at large, and just maybe. Will you get on that hot streak to go seven and two over a stretch again? It, it, it's tough to replicate. They could be a better team, end up still sitting there at nine and eight, scratching and clawing and hoping things break the right way for them to get a seven seed in the AFC uh, playoffs. Yeah, I'm hammering the over right now as well, too, for a lot, lot of, lot of the same. Now, if you put think- that, if you put that at nine and a half. Are you taking the over the under on, on that? I think that's a more interesting question than eight and a half. Where I sit right now, I, I think this team. I like the chances of them winning uh, winning ten games. I think based on the schedule and 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 all like that. Obviously, it wouldn't take much, you know, a key injury here or a key injury there to kind of maybe change change my opinion. And who knows, you know, once uh, once we get to training camp and the preseason. But I I, I kind of view this. Uh, I, I like their chances to win ten, so I I would still bet over nine and a half. Okay, I, I wouldn't Fair have enough. the confidence that I have on over eight and a half right now. Sure. I'm with you. That, that's a fair point. So any, any final thoughts here, Dave, anything that we missed uh, again from the weekend besides Ben's podcast and the contracts of these quarterbacks pretty quiet, but it will pick up here as we're going to get some interviews and some information about OTAs that run uh, Tuesday through Thursday this week. All right. I think we, uh, I think we mopped the floor pretty good there. All right, Dave, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right, kudos to Alex on Mark Gorsak uh, from Paul Brown. Dave and Alex, just want to give kudos to Alex for his wonderful salute to Mark Gorsak uh, in his terrible take a few days back. Many fans, including myself, don't have the time to look into the -the behind-the-scenes staff and their importance and impact on the team, and it's great to have a source that gives us an insight. No other podcast took the time you guys uh, took to gracefully see off an important figure in Steeders history. I'm glad you did. So uh, kudos Thank you. to you from uh, Paul Brown there. Uh, Seth Bergstein right, said, hello, fellows. Regarding Calvin Austin, I typically hear folks say he can be the jet sweep or quick screen guy or whatever. Well, I think he can do that. I think pigeon holding him is a disservice to him and a team. He ran deeper routes in college very well also. And part of the appeal of that speed and and foot quickness is being able to get open deep despite the size. So personally, I'd love to see Canada let him try to burn guys in open spaces out there uh, in the secondary. What do you think? Yeah, look, uh, you know, uh, 
first and foremost, let's 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 see Calvin Austin back out there doing uh, all the things that he was doing, you know, prior uh, to having that foot issue. Second thing, uh, no, you cannot just use him just as a jet sweep or a quick screen guy because then you run in, you run into the Dree Archer mm. uh, flashing uh, light on the helmet uh, scenario that I talked about uh, years ago. There, so yeah, you have to. When, uh, when you get, when you start, you know, hopefully, you know, he stays healthy and is healthy and, and moving forward into the regular season, you do have to use him as an all situation, uh, 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 kind of guy. And, you know, one thing I think that still, uh, and look, here's the thing, all we have to go on, at least I do is his college tape at, at, at Memphis there. And, he did move around quite a bit in that offense. He played a little bit in the slot. He played some Z, you know, I think a little bit of X and all like that. And they, they, yeah, look, this team had so much issues with yards after the catch and explosive plays and deep down the, down the field things. They have to turn over every stone that they have uh, with trying to get got different guys on offense to do different things. So yeah, you don't now, can you use them in jet sweeps and quick screens? Absolutely. But you also have to, you know, uh, let defenses know that you're not afraid to use him as an occasional Z or a guy out of slot that'll run the, 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 uh, the, the, the slot fade or, or streak down the middle of the field, you know, those kind of things there. So, you, and I don't, I don't think they will, hopefully they don't pigeonhole them. You know, because I, I, I think if you do that and if that ends up being all he all, all that he is, then every time he comes on the field, people are going to be hollering screen or, you know, sweep and, and all like that. So uh, I am very interested to see if they can uh, utilize him in all situations. Sure, they will. I mean, he's the fastest, fastest receiver on this team right now, and he showed some of that speed briefly uh, last year in camp before going down. So, yeah, I mean, you that's going to be maybe a little bit less of the overall picture just because you're going to probably catch more short passes than you will long passes. But yeah, I think though they have not forgotten about what he can do and the big play potential that he has in both the horizontal game and, and the vertical game. So I think he will get, you know, use in both. Is this George or Jorge? Uh, right. Saying Dave and Alex, how in depth medically can teams go into on pre-draft visits with prospects, can team doctors put their hands on them? Do schools send their medical files to teams upon request? What happens on the visit? Just an interview, he asked. Uh, that you know, that's a great question. I think that's something that uh, Dr. Mel's been trying to, uh, you know, reach out to you know certain people that have been in front offices uh, over the years, and, and I, I, I still don't think. To my understanding, it's more when they when these when these kids come in for pre-draft interviews, I think it's more just interviews more than anything. I don't I don't know that we know how in-depth they can go with these with these kids when they bring them in. And obviously, look, that's why you have the combine to do all the pulling and tugging and put them in the in the in the pod and and, and those kind of things and really how much really changes. Uh, I mean, a, a guy could obviously get injured b- between then, but, uh, yeah, I guess if, if, 
I don't know if there are extended medical concerns past the combine. I don't know just how much team doctors can put their hands on them. That that would probably be a question if we ever get like a uh, a Mark Gorsak or or Kevin Colbert or or one of these guys on the inside end that that we have to make sure that we would ask. Yeah. I, I don't want to give an I answer because I don't know for sure. I thought maybe you could do something medically with the guy. Obviously, I think the visits are more about you know interviews, meeting with positional coaches, kind of getting a vibe for who you are and a feel for how you fit with the team. I mean, yeah, at the combine, you have you know, medical checks. There are medical rechecks at India as well. So typically about a month after the combine, anyone with like obvious injury concerns. So, for example, an Andrew Voorhees potentially or somebody with you know that was flagged at Indy or is recovering from something, they're going to go back to the combine to Indianapolis and get rechecked there. So there, are, there is extra due diligence done on, on some of those medical, uh, clearly medical guys, uh, both right before the draft begins. But what about guys that don't go to the combine? Can't you do a, can't you bring them in for a visit to be able to check them, you know, at, at the, uh, uh, at your own facility? I mean, uh, uh, Chandler Zavala, for example, who was a big combine snub. He had back concerns. And so, you know, you, you can't look at that guy medically. I mean, I, I don't know. That, is, that doesn't seem right. So I, I don't know the answer to that other than to say, like Dave said, Indies comes up with a big place to do that. But um, beyond that, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, it's one of those great mysteries that us, you know, on the outside and look, I mean, teams throughout the pre-draft process, they go way, way in depth as far as research and 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 stuff like that. But it's just it's still one of those walls that are kind of put up still that that we don't know exactly what happens behind closed doors unless uh, somebody tells us about it, you know. Yeah. Also, by the way, the NFL uh, meetings, uh, spring meetings are happening today. So there's votes on flexing Thursday night and the Brock Purdy rule. And also that what's the fair catch rule? Well, basically, if you fair catch the ball inside the 10, it comes out to like the 25 or something, I believe. Yeah, I think that's the way it's kind of laid out there. I hope uh, that one does not pass. That'd be terrible. Yeah, I think there's some element that you still want, you know, special teams to matter, I think. Yeah, I mean, for punters' sake, you love that. It's so fun to watch a punt get down at like the one yard line. If you can fair catch that without a consequence to it, then you're not almost never going to see that kind of stuff unless you just get a really good roll. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of those meetings. I think they're where are they? Minnesota, uh, Minneapolis. Yep. Okay. In Minnesota. Uh, all right. Uh, all right. Uh, I think we got through the questions here, Alex. Anything else you'd like to add as we start wrapping up here? Uh, no live stream tonight. I know we're on schedule for next weekend. That is Memorial Day. So we may, I don't know, we'll kind of shift that around potentially. But uh, yeah, we'll come back on Wednesday with some OTA talk. All right. Uh, let's see. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, upper right navigational bar. Also, if you want an ad free, uh, hit that upper right navigational bar as well, too. Uh, we'll, we will be back on Wednesday and within all that. As always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. It's 
estás atrapado en el tráfico. Pero luego hay una recompensa para ti. Una modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Mantienes la calma a pesar de las bocinas, las largas filas y los gritos. ¡Muévete! Así que al llegar a casa, sírvete esta dorada y refrescante lager. Porque tú sabes que tu paciencia vale oro. Tú eres un luchador y esta es tu recompensa. Modelo, la marca de los luchadores. Todo con medida importada por Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.